You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome to another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are here this week talking about more of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and Watchmen on HBO. How's everybody enjoying that show so far? Oh, either show. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so John is is He's indifferent peaked. to both. Uh, Jessica's over enthused of both. <laughs> I should say my attitude at the moment is not related to the shows themselves, but rather to parenting issues. <laughs> I'm sure there is about seventy percent of the world that's right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's uh, let's get into our week's watch first. John, what did you watch this week? I watched, uh, was it Train to Busan? Train to Busan. A Korean zombie movie, that, which I didn't realize was a zombie hmm. movie when I... Oh, actually, really? No, I just thought it was like, oh, it was maybe something along the lines of Snowpiercer, maybe. Oh. Um, it was like an action movie having to do with the train is my go- thoughts going in. You were hoping for snakes on a, pl- on a train, huh? Snakes on a train, uh <laughs> No, I was just like, oh, let's see what this is about. I, I think it's been mentioned on this podcast a few times. I'm sure it has. Or somewhere else. I know it's just come up, and I was like, oh, well, I'll give that a try. So I watched it. Uh, it was very interesting. One of the better zombie movies I've seen in the last couple of decades. Hmm. Um, right up there with, uh, I want to say it's definitely better than World War Z. Okay. And I feel like it was trying to attempt some of the same ideas, I want to say, of fast zombies, really quick contagion, really gnarly zombie acting uh, that was you know pretty cool i was like oh that's an interesting take and i guess that makes sense if you have a cast of really well-trained you know athletic people they can do a lot of really crazy looking stuff <laughs> um and uh, it's also surprisingly very emotional i was like this movie made me cry a little bit and i hated it for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've uh, only heard a lot of people just tell me that it's it's one of the it's one of the best movies. It's like it's a really? great zombie movie. Yeah. It's probably the best zombie movie, and it's just also a good movie. Yeah, I, I think I st- I started. I didn't. I know I started the beginning of it the other day, and just I was in the middle of doing other things, and I was like, I can't focus on reading the subtitles at the moment, yeah. so I yeah. had to stop it. So yeah, I was going based just off the context. I don't know what they're saying, but I, I could kind of feel it. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't, you didn't have the subtitles on? They were on. I just oh, wasn't okay. really paying attention to them. Oh. I That's was more fair. just looking at what's going on. This is the universal language of uh, you know fear pan- pandemics. Yeah. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you watch anything else? Um, just usual looking at YouTube stuff. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, the Train to Busan is now available on Netflix. That so. it is. 
Also, the Popeye movie is on Netflix. Is it the one with Robin Williams? Yep. What? You know, I'm surprised no one has gone to that IP since then. Um, They had like an animated update of it a few years ago. Uh I remember seeing like CGI. Um, As a matter of fact, I I think it was theatrical. I actually thought they were in talks about it last year. I swear I thought I saw something about Popeye last year. Could be. But I wonder if it's it's like a the the um optics of it like you know the guy who just solves all of his problems with his fist kind of thing if that's the thing you still want kids to to look at to watch i mean they changed cookie monster right so that it's not all about cookies it's mainly about cookies is it still about cookies yeah he still try he talks about eating healthy but he still eats cookies it's about eating cookies after you've had your vegetables uh we'll see it's changing your vegetables so you can um well i mean except papa ate spinach all the time so yeah. <laughs> I, I, i'm sure I, I need them to do it i need to convince kids to <laughs> well i'm sure spinach. they'll change it to from fighting to just doing feats of strength like uh-huh. eat your vegetables and you can lift a car kind of thing you <laughs> might not the, be better but <laughs> you remember the update to popeye they did in the early 90s yeah what was wasn't popeye it all about the sun yeah yeah that was awful <laughs> olive oil was, or not olive oil uh, yeah, sweet pea sweet, sweet pea had grown up yeah yeah and uh, yeah, Pluto had a son that was like his nemesis. Or something. Of course, yeah. I mean, because so. in the nineties, all the characters had had sons. <laughs> had, yeah, James Bond Junior. had a but was it was James was Bond's nephew. niece or new, nephew? nephew yeah. yeah, sorry. So does that mean I thought James Bond was like a single child orphan? So was his like his adopted family? So technically, James Bond Junior. was Blofeld's son, which oh, is like a yeah. whole another level of. Like, what the fuckery? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So, been a crazy week. So, really, all I got to watch was the C-SPAN playing in the background at the office because that's what I listen to is background noise because it's very interesting. Um, so you had the Judiciary Committee's uh, 13 hours worth of hearings yesterday. I did not stay up to watch the end of it because it got <laughs> very late. Um, but uh, the most entertaining part was the recap of it in the last 30 seconds when everybody's thinking, you know, it's 11 o'clock DC time, 11 p.m. DC time, they've been there all day. And you think you're, they're about to go to vote, and the chairman goes, and so we're going to recess till tomorrow morning and we'll do the vote then. And the audible gasps and anger <laughs> that just permeate the entire room when you're watching it, highly entertaining, highly entertaining to me. <laughs> But <laughs> well, they, the, the longer they stall it, the more chances for martial law to break out and he gets out of it. <laughs> well, so you've got a couple different assertions. The Republicans obviously state that, you know, they didn't want to vote at 11 o'clock last night because nobody was watching the news and they wanted the vote to be on the news. And <coughs> then you have the Democrats saying, you know, 13 hours worth of hearing. We're going to take this monumental vote whether to send the articles of impeachment out of committee. We want to do that refreshed and in good conscience and clear and not sure, whatever, just get me out of here. I need to go to bed. Plus, you know, mm-hmm. half of the half of them are old people that are probably already home and asleep, so then just meant other people are going to be voting for them. Well, the, the committee members had to be in the room, so they all stayed. Mm-hmm. And their staff, let's be very clear, and their staffs all stayed 
till 11 o'clock last night. So this was not a... Yeah, there's yeah, salary positions, so no overtime. No overtime. <laughs> yeah, well, they still take off like a third of the year for vacation, so... I mean, hey, we allow that to happen. We sure do. That's because we want them back in their home congressional districts talking to voters so that they remember who they're actually in D.C. for. We don't want them in D.C. actually getting work done. Yeah, Hmm. that's right. Are Elizabeth bringing some legitimacy (laughs) to the podcast? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, Jessica, what'd you watch? I finally started season two of Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Oh. Yes. Pretty nice. good, really. Whereas the other, the first season, I think, had kind of sort of a slow build. This one kind of hops you right into the action. So. Okay. And it's dealing with Venezuela this time. And now I'm utterly terrified of Venezuela, whereas I wasn't before. <laughs> Thank you, Jack Ryan. <laughs> but, but no, it's, it's pretty good. Highly recommend um, John Krasinski. I love him as Jack Ryan. I think he's one of the top Jack Ryans, so... I highly suggest it. No, uh, Mrs. Maisel, season three. Oh, yeah, I did. I have. I do. I am watching Miss Maisel season three too. It's gone good. I stopped watching it though because I like caught a rumor that apparently something bad happens to her or something, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> I'm gonna stop binging. I'm gonna slow down a little bit. So I think I only have two episodes left. So all right. Yeah. Uh. So Jack Ryan is on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. And so is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, Let's see. This week I watched Knives Out in the theater. It was Mm. not as good as I thought it was going to (gasps) be. I liked it. I liked it, but I just, I wanted more of something. So I I, uh, went into it, you know, expecting more of a murder mystery. I think what I got out of it was more of a different type of mystery it was just all about the family uh and they the way they edited it and they the music that they decided to put in there plays it up as a giant comedy like slapstick comedy but yeah. there's not a lot of i mean it is funny it is a comedy but it's not a slapstick comedy so it's it's a british comedy yeah I know it's American, but it's really a British comedy. That's really what it felt like to me. Probably why. Mainly because I watch a bunch of British shows and I was like, (laughs) yes. And and when I found out where it took place, I was like, no, this is British. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like I said, it was was good. I I still enjoyed it. It just wasn't what I was expecting. So uh, that, and then I also watched the CW DC shows crossover event, which was amazing. <laughs> the the <Is> crisis <laughs> on infinite earth it was it was pretty cool you watched that too i did watch that i watched the two of the three two of the three two of the three had you seen any of the other shows no. before yeah i've seen um legends of tomorrow oh really oh, yeah. okay i, I, I really like that show i had only seen i think arrow and a little bit of flash yeah, I think I've seen an episode of Arrow and an episode of Flash, but no, the only one I've watched in any quantity was Legends of Tomorrow. But, I mean, it was relatively actually easy to follow, even for somebody who's not... Like, they, they do well enough, they don't spoon-feed you it, but 
there was enough information coming in off mm-hmm. what off the episode that I was able to kind of piece together what was occurring and what was going on. Yeah, okay. that's definitely what they do for the crossover events that they do every year. It's like if you don't watch these shows, you don't really need to. We give you the information you need here. So, uh, like, I was really happy with it. Two, two out of the three episodes. Second episode was a little bit weaker, but it's okay. It had, it had some pretty cool, uh, like ideas in there so uh knives out is in the theaters right now and crisis on infinite earth is on cw so you have to catch the reruns when they come back which i'm sure they're gonna do before they 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 come back in january to play the part four and part five all right let's get into the mandalorian on disney plus this is episode six the prisoner how are they going to do anything for season two if they're going to use all the, the Western tropes in one season? Like, I don't understand it. Well, that's simple. They just won't give us any actual story. Well, they're not giving us any actual not story. Just, not quite yet. There's plenty of other genres from which they can pull tropes. Maybe each season will be a different genre of tropes. So this season is a Western. Next season is crime drama. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I used to work at a bookstore and the Western section, I could tell you one author, five million books. So there's got to be a lot more tropes they can pull from. (laughs) Louis L'Amour. No, I'm sure there there are, there are more tropes, but there's not a lot more tropes. Like I'm sure Louis L'Amour books are just kind of the same thing over and over. It's like Stephen King's going to just use the same scares over and over. If it works, it works. Or any of the romance novels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yes, the prisoner, uh, the Mandalorian or Mando or whatever you want to call him at this point makes his way to a uh, space station, the way station out in the outer... outpost. The outpost, way out there. Um, The dude from Sons of Anarchy is there. He's... uh, I was going to say Batman Begins. Yeah, he is Batman (laughs) Begins. That's fair. Uh, And Memento. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't remember his name, but uh, he's the one running the place, but he also puts crews together for heists. Ooh. And that's what that's what the Mandalorian thinks he's there to do. He's gonna he's gonna earn some credits by by uh, pulling a heist. But soon soon comes to find out that it's not a heist. It's a jailbreak. Yeah, yep. do you have favorite jailbreak movies, jo- TV shows? Uh, Prison Break was five seasons of that. <laughs> I think I only saw the first season of that. I don't <laughs> think I saw that when they actually escape. It. No, they they escaped the first prison in, in season two. Oh, jeez. Third season's all about them being on the run. Fourth season is them throwing into a Mexican prison. Uh, okay. Fifth season is him getting his final revenge. Wow. Well, now I know. And I, I don't, don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the, the that season they came back like like for season six like five six years after they went off the air. Well, if you want to know how they can stretch a simple concept, then there you go. There you go. Hey. There you go. It worked. It was on the air for five plus seasons. <laughs> Anybody? Any favorite heist movies? Um, or not heist movies? Jailbreak movies? I, I'm sure, but not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, same here. I, like, mean, I can't. Like, I guess Shawshank, but he kind of jailbreaks himself. Out, yeah. 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 Is that a jailbreak movie? I like the I beginning of uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Like they're getting... Yeah, well, that's Ethan a, Hunt I, right, I out right there. Yeah, out of the Russian gulag. I ever saw that one. 
No? But all Ethan no. Hawk fighting in Ethan close quarters. Hunt. Or Hunt, sorry. Ethan Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> close, quarters. close quarters, yeah. I love the part where he's like waving his finger around telling Simon yeah. Pegg to open up the door and he's, he's like, like, no, no, what are you talking about? No. <laughs> he's like, all right, I guess I'll just stay here then. <laughs> uh, okay, so the Mandalorian with the crew made up of a lot of famous actors. Yeah. Uh-huh. Clancy Brown is a did you catch what the name of his race was? Is like Devilorian or something De- like that? Devilronian. Devilronian. That was a reference to an episode four in the cantina scene because famously they just kind of populated it with whatever masks they could find at the time. Um, if they couldn't make any, they just took some off the shelf. Mm. There happened to be a devil mask or costume that they had that they'd slapped on somebody. <laughs> so that's why there's a guy with horns and red face in the original cantina. Mm-hmm. And so retroactively, he was his species was called Devaronians. Okay, so that's what he is. Writing one hundred and one <laughs> there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just work with what you got, huh? Yep. Uh, uh, Twilik, Twilik, uh, yep. female. Yeah. They call her a twee, I think, as a short for short. No, oh. a couple times. Played by the actress who plays Tonks in the Harry Potter yeah. movies and Osha mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones. And Osha in Game of yep. Thrones. Uh. And then there's uh, Zero, played by Richard Iwade from the IT crowd. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, she found something he liked about the Mandalorian. I did, <laughs> and, and he was a great, he was a great droid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Bill Burr just basically being himself. Yeah, but an athletic version of himself. I mean, he works out now. Now, yeah, he does. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I just think of him as pasty white comedian. That, like, was, yep. that was the old days. Yeah. Uh, he's, okay. he's gotten a little bit more wanting to be in shape. Well, good for him. Because it looked like it was him that actually did the drop down from the manhole thingy. Yeah. And his biggest defining character feature in this was having that extendable arm gun on his back. <laughs> the third gun that comes out of his back. Which... Which, yep. Reminded me of Men in Black. That's what I was going to say. It just reminds me of Johnny Knoxville from Men in Black. Yeah. It just I needed have, to talk to him. To yeah. I just half expected a head the first time it popped up. <laughs> I, was just, I was expecting like every time he was talking, it just to keep nodding like or yeah. something, you know? Like a little parrot. Yeah. I guess that's a good, good way of looking at it, is a little parrot. A missed opportunity. <laughs> um, so I have to say this about the Mandalorian, or about Mando, our main character. Mm-hmm. Um. He's supposed to be the best out there, but yet he seems to get his ass handed to him a lot. I mean, it's no fun if he wins all the time. I mean, he still has to win, but you have to get butt beat first. It's it's just inconsistent in how how well he does. <laughs> He's lucky a lot. Yeah. He gets his ass saved a lot, too. He also has he that does. armor, too. Armor and things just clink off of it. <laughs> clink, yeah. clink. Armor. Like, why bother trying to shoot him in the chest? Just stop. Just stop. Go for the shoulder, yeah, apparently. As I say, especially right there. there's so many vulnerable areas. <laughs> just go here, here. And the droids are shooting at him. You think they would have, like, really good precision since they're robots. No, well, but they're I've, probably programmed yeah, the, to shoot chest or head, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely. That would be your training is to always shoot but chest or head. But once you notice your, your rounds reflect off of the armor. That's why they're robots and they're not humans. They can that's make, why droids are stupid. No, they're not. Droids are stupid. <laughs> Computers are pretty smart. Yes, but they're only no, as smart as they're their only, program. Yes. I'm sure the program would be like, 
oh, readjust. Just like your Google Maps says readjusting when you forget to make the right turn. <laughs> yes, but how many iterations did Google Maps have? I mean, Google Maps has thrown me for a loop a few times, too. So. We, we, we originally had MapQuest, and you could only just print it off and hope you remember. <laughs> so, like, you had to go through a few iterations of this. Well, I'm sure we're through a few iterations of droids at this point. They, you know, they, Google Maps still tells me that the fastest route out of my neighborhood is to drive into a canal. <laughs> That's because yeah, there's that. It's because the, the Google car doesn't actually get around in your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been visited yet. Uh, I mean, I believe that one that's right next to the Walmart on Pacific still says that that is a road there, even though the the residents of that neighborhood have put up a wall. Yep, yep. Which we, the city doesn't take down. I don't understand, but that may be county. It may be an island of county inside the city limits. Yeah. And therefore would be controlled by county and county doesn't care about anything. Well, there you go. You get to know a little bit more about Yuma. Yeah. We put up walls in the middle of the streets for no reason. Uh, okay. So other than the fact that the Mandalorian kind of gets his butt handed to him a lot and, and was really snuck up on when getting pushed into that cell, which was surprising to me. Um, what'd you think of the episode? I liked it. Some good action. Yeah. Complete lack of any actual forward momentum and plot wise. And poor baby Yoda. I feel like now he's just a prop that is to be picked up, threatened, and dropped. <laughs> he tried to use the force yeah, again, yeah, and I got try. super excited. I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he got shot, and I was like, dang it. I wanted to see if he used a little force. But I personally did love the look on baby Yoda's face when he's like, wow. wow. <laughs> I'm so powerful. Oh, oh, no. Oh, I didn't do that. I was like, that's not what I was going for. You know what this episode really made me? Because when he was fighting the Devil Dorian? Mm-hmm. Devorian. Devorian, okay. Uh, it just made me hope that in the few, the one of the last two episodes mm-hmm. that we have left? Two or three? Two. Two, because you is this eight, seven? right? This, this is, six. is six. This is six? Okay. Is there eight episodes? I, I think so. I, I don't thought know. so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, in the, the last two episodes, I hope they got the actor who plays uh, who played the mountain, Thor, whatever that guy's name is. Going up against Amanda with a helmet Yes. On. <laughs> I would love to see them have a re- rematch. Oh, no. <laughs> and he goes for the, the head crushing and the, the helmet stops it. It's like Bjorn Thornson. Yeah, like the Thor's in somebody, there somewhere. Somebody get a hold of Disney. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe next season, if it doesn't happen this season. Who knows if it happens this season or not. Um, yeah, it's... It, I I don't know. The the episode just the episodes, the last few episodes, other than the the last part of the last episode where you saw someone just walk up to Ming Na's dead body and be like nothing. Like <laughs> you, you know you're you know that means that somebody's on their trail, but yeah. what does it mean? So It's probably going to come out next episode cuz remember they're early releasing next episode because it has something to do with episode 9. Episode 9 that comes out. Yeah. I would assume so. Week. What would be the big thing that you would you would you would picture this having to tie in with episode nine? I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know episode nine. I keep on watching all these little trailers for episode nine, and I'm like trying to put it all together, and I'm just so confused over everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really like. I think another thing we forget about Star Wars in general, though, too, like especially as us this age, and we grew up watching Star Wars. Star Wars is technically also written for ten year olds. Yeah. So it has to be kind of simplistic. Mm-hmm. 
which is, I think, some of our problems with The Mandalorian right now is that it's a little simplistic. It's a little tropey. It's a little cliche. It's a little... I don't have a problem with tropes. But it's like, that's the audience they're gearing for is also like those 10 to like 14 year olds and getting them back into getting them reintroduced. Because it actually also, a few of the episodes remind me of what little I've watched of the Clone Wars episodes with Ahsoka Tano when Anakin had his own Padawan, I watched a little bit of that in first season and it actually reminds me a lot of that kind of writing style too. Mm, okay. Huh. Yeah, I never watched that. So, uh, I, like I said, I, I don't have any problem with tropes. I do have, I have issue with just the procedural way that we do these episodes. Like I feel like they had eight episodes that they should have been, there should have been more of a, a through line story. Like what? What is going to happen in the last two? Is it? Is he? What? What's going to? What are we going to get to in the last episode of the season? Is he? Is he giving up, Baby Yoda? Is he going to raise it? Is he gonna? Is he gonna teach it the way? Are they? Are they gonna take off his helmet and you're gonna find out that he's a full grown Yoda? He's he's too tall. (laughs) He's way too tall for that. Well, we don't know that Yoda could have just been. He could have been an offshoot, yeah. His own race, but Yaddle was about the same size. Yeah, Yaddle. I mean, and any other Star Wars video game that had that race in it too. Those don't count. They could have been affirmative action. Yeah, I guess they technically don't count. (laughs) (laughs) I think all we're gonna get in Episode Eight is we're finally gonna get introduced to the big bad guy not we're going to learn what they intended for Yoda. It's not going to be a defeat of the big bad. It's not going to be mm-hmm. a, a final resolution. I think it's just going to be an introduction of the information. And this whole first season was just an intro to something to something else. Correct. I think yes. the, the words first order are going to be said. And we're not going to know what it means yet, but that's going to be like, ooh, so this is where it starts. <laughs> kind of like how they mentioned the rebellion in Solo. Right. Real right. offhandedly. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, but there's got to, I mean, there's got to be a, I mean, I guess we saw him as a baby, so there can't be too big of a reveal of like being an alien or anything like that when, no, yeah. when he takes off his helmet. But what about everybody just jumped to the conclusion that that's a same race as Yoda. Like his ears are bigger than Yoda's. So what if it's like just another green alien that, that has big ears? I mean, the resemblance. <laughs> what if it's a gizmo? What if it's a mugwai? Uh, you've been seeing memes lately, haven't you? <laughs> yes. What if it's Jar Jar Binks? What if it's Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> I mean, Bill Burr said. <laughs> I know. As soon as he said it, I was like, man, even Disney's cracking jokes about that. About the Gungans? Gungans. I mean, I feel like that's what this whole show kind of, I mean, this show kind of is also is, is a mm-hmm. way of them just cracking at like past Dis- or past Star Wars stuff that might not have worked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like Life Day. Life Day, Life yeah. Life Day. Um, I mean, going back to your Mogwai theory, that's not completely out of the question because we know that ETs exist in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. So why not Mogwais? I mean, they're yeah. all kind of from the same era. Because, uh, let's see, Spielberg made ET and then his guy uh, made Gremlins. Joe Spielberg. Dante. Was it Joe Dante? Yeah. Yeah, Joe Dante, who was part of Spielberg's crew because Spielberg produced that movie just like yeah. he produced yep. uh back to the future yeah mm-hmm. so it, it's possible all that stuff it's all related related it's uh who it's made who made uh goonies mm. is that spielberg proper no it wasn't spielberg mm-hmm. it was 
like Zemeckis or one of those other guys. Was it Zemeckis? Oh, yeah. I think you were right. It was Zemeckis. And in that, they even mentioned the Gremlins. Because he's talking on the... When he's talking to the police officer and the police officer, what about that time you said there was a whole bunch of creatures? Oh, that, yeah. They yeah. mentioned Gremlins. And, yeah. yeah. That's right. So, uh, getting back to the Mandalorian, <laughs> <laughs> do you ever think that we'll see... What's the... What's... what's uh, um, Darth Maul's race called Zabrax or something? Zabrax, yeah. Yeah. You, we're going to see one of those. I mean, that's the only other like big race that we haven't seen yet in the show so far. Um, there are. There was a Zabrax that was in the Jedi Council. What? In this show? Well, not in the show, but I'm. That's what I'm talking about in the show. Oh. I mean, I don't see why. I mean, Darth Maul was kind of an offshoot. Not all of his species are like him. And even he mm. is kind of like modified to look like that they're, they're not naturally that kind of patterning like okay all the black on his face is actually tattoos mm. yeah. well i'm just saying it'd be interesting to see that it would be I mean, yeah. we haven't see, see someone else that's like the complete opposite like total like peaceful oh yeah that could be like, cool like monk style mm. um I, I was half expecting to see one in the prison but did you catch any like special thing from any of the prisoners because they they lingered the shot on a lot of them as if you were supposed to catch something there was like a four-limbed like monkey-like creature which i think was in the solo movie wasn't it was the pilot oh yeah looked like one of the looked like that first pilot that died at the beginning yeah Yeah. Mm. i think he had four then they had somebody that looked like some kind of imperial officer or cadet maybe was in there and then i kind of didn't pay them too much attention to the others okay so this is a New Republic prison. Yes. Correct. And that's where the the dude with the egghead helmet is from yeah. the New Republic. Yeah. Yes. Where have we seen those uniforms before? In A New Hope. Yep. They're part of the Corellian transport. Mm-hmm. So it's a uniform for Corellians and he just happens to be part of the New Republic or the New Republic? Well, the New Republic is has been now established for five years, so they're probably still figuring out the uniform system. <laughs> I imagine they're still utilizing old uniforms and stuff like that. It's like that. all those Union soldiers that, you know, still had them afterwards because what else are you going to wear? Oh. So jumping to the end of the episode, uh, the three X-Wings that came in, <laughs> yep. were those significant pilots? Nope. Nope. Those were... I mean, you have to remember at the end of, like, Jedi, like, the only noteworthy rebel pilots are, like, Wedge Antilles mm-hmm. and Lando and Neum Num, and that's pretty much it. Like, there was nobody else of any kind of, like, oh, that's so-and-so that did this and that. Maybe in the expanded universe back in the day, but not anymore because that's all gone. So, these are all just other people, new people. We don't know. Yep. It's unfortunate they didn't get. Uh, he's in the new one. Oh, fuck. Poe. Lando Calrissian. No, not Poe. <laughs> no, uh, he's in. He, what's his name? He's in Heroes. He played the guy who could read minds. He was Siler. No, not Siler. Um, what else is he's in? Everything J.J. Oh, Abrams Groomberg. makes. Groomberg. Great, great yeah. Groomberg. Yes, and he was in. Lost and in Lost, stuff, yeah. yeah. He was in the first. He was in uh, the Force Awakens as the one of the pilot. He's wearing the pilot uniform. Mm. I like to think that he was Porkins Junior. 
I mean, isn't that what they were kind of going with I it? The, so. the guy in this one, though, like who yeah. had the it was an overweight dude with yeah. the goatee, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> we're super you know, excited. We're, 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 we're stretching here because there's not a lot. There's not a lot this in this episode. It was it's, very. It's very straightforward. Yep. He goes. He goes to get a job. Gets betrayed. <laughs> takes them or wins out in the end. Takes the money and out. then. Screws over the guy that that tried to screw him over. Yep, and you know what, the Mando's generosity and like goodwill is just being taken advantage of left and right. <laughs> Everywhere but, he goes, he tries to do the right thing and just like bites him in the ass. Well, we cut, we like was it the uh, Shion? Is that her name? Shion. Yeah. Shion. She she's like oh he was ruthless and he he did all these things. So like, is it just the baby Yoda that changed him? Like. Now I'm gonna let people live, and and because even in the can the cantina, the very first episode, he mm-hmm. beats the crap out of the one dude, gets cut in half by a door. Like, I mean, he's still doing the door thing. So yeah, well, <laughs> when something works, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Do it twice. But he didn't. That, but that guy didn't die. He gets no. cut, he, the door slams on him, but he didn't die. Yeah. So is is it just the Yodelini that's changed his, changed his ways? Is that is that what happens when you have a child, John? No, I feel like I want to kill even more. <laughs> <laughs> that's just frustration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take it out on something. No, I think it's more like he's a professional, so he doesn't kill like for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. He only kills when he has to. Yeah, and he's good enough that he knows that he can like he could have taken them all on. Because he all, you know, he fought them all on their terms. You know, like the one with the knife throwing, he just parried all of them and took her out. The guy with the guns, he just like turned out the lights and snuck around him because you know this guy was completely vision based. I like that one. (laughs) And then the 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 strong guy, the Deveronian, you know, he's like, oh, you know, like you can't stop me with just this one door. And I was like, all right, here's door number two. (laughs) And you know, that's he outsmarted them all basically. Yeah, Yeah, but wouldn't these people were all trying to kill him? Wouldn't that be the the moment when you're like, okay, well, I guess I got to kill them too. I think he. Because he had no problem having the head honcho blown up. And the guy that he had initially left that they were jailbreaking that he clearly didn't like. So I feel like he definitely distinguishes between evil and bad choices. Yeah. I like, think that's where he went. And he had no problem shooting the droid. Yeah, but the droids aren't alive. Yeah. That I, they've made that perfectly yeah. clear. Well, but, yeah, he do, he doesn't like droids on top of it. He was also he the droids. only one that was directly threatening Baby Yoda. That's true. Yoda yeah. Mini, Which so. why would the thing? Why would the droid go to shoot Baby Yoda? Because when he's you, a stupid droid. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, they make it I'll clear. Get your that, anti-droid I'm out just of here. Kidding. I love R two D two and C three PO. It's all about. Uh, Alan Tudyk's droid. I forget what the name K- of that was. K2SO. Okay. Yeah. Okay, K2SO. K2SO, yeah. Um, I think, wasn't there like a mnemonic where like if you think about it in Spanish, it says something? K2SO? Uh, mm-hmm. What you... This? Is that, yes. Yeah, so like, <laughs> it was a weird one. This? I remember it was like, wait, this is like a little trick. Because like R2D2, if you say that phonetically in Spanish, it sounds like you're saying Arturito, which is like, Art, like Arturo, a name, but like oh, the smaller the version. Smaller version, okay. So you're saying like Arturito and C three PO. That one, I don't remember what they call them. It's, yes, three PO. 
Yes, 3PO. They call him the, the three-legged guy. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> for other reasons. Um, and but, now we've offended all of our yeah. Spanish-speaking audience. <laughs> yes, all, all of you, I'm sorry. Um, where are we going? Oh, yeah. Well, they made it clear that he, the droid, whatever his name was. Zero. 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 I yeah. keep thinking Shadow for some reason. Um, he, like, jacked into the memory of the ship, mm-hmm. the, the Razor Crust, and he saw the message from... Apollo Creed. Where he was, <laughs> mm-hmm. I forget his name. I just you know, that's what. Call Weathers. Yeah. Yes. Well, no. I mean the show. I don't. Did like they Greek say his or show? something like that? Oh. Yeah, they said his name. Yeah, like, okay. Um, Guild dude. I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Guild dude. No. Guild dude. Guild dude. Guild master. Um, so yeah, he, there's the message where he's saying, "Hey, Mando, you got the the thing. Bring it here." Blah blah blah. So it's inferred that the um, zero zero like got the gist of the story. I guess because yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is interesting," and he goes and looks at the baby, and he's like, he's like, oh, I guess I should kill it," but like, for some reason. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The the kill it part is weird. I I would expect him to be like, "All right, I want to take it in so I can get the the bounty." Ah, uh, but robots think very binary. Maybe they he he only got the part of the bring it in dead. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't even think Carl Weathers said anything about dead or alive. That's true. That was strictly off the books. Yeah, that was uh supposed to be a like a black ops yeah well except the uh he may have because the other the other the bounty, droid hunters, bounty hunter they're all trying to kill him said that it he was instructed to bring it in dead yeah yeah a live option but that wasn't part of the recording like that's that was only that when we they, heard right but that's like when he said he even said don't give the pucks like this one doesn't have a puck it yeah you have to go find out for yourself yeah. like this is more of the guy saying, Carl Weathers was like, okay, you've completed the mission. Bring it back. Mm. Yeah. Maybe the droid figured that, maybe Zero figured that dead, the Mandalorian would have no reason to fight him about it. That's a possibility. Didn't work out for him. No. <laughs> there was another reference, kind of maybe poking fun at the, the movies, when Bill Burr sees the ship and he says, oh, that looks like a slot machine from Canto Bite. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I see what you're doing there. That's for yeah, Last I Jedi. Just, that's from the Last Jedi. Yeah, that uh-huh. casino planet. That yeah, I ended up, um, I ended up having to watch it with my parents in the room because I had to watch, watch it real quick after work before this podcast. And my dad noted they said slot machine, and he's like, "Did you say slot machine?" And I was like, "Yeah, Dad, the last movie we saw." She's like, well, and, but he was like, but did they call them slot machines in that? And I was like, well, I guess they did because now we've got slot machines in the Star Wars universe. I mean, it worked exactly the same because yeah, there was, was that like, one alien that was shoving coins inside BB-8 thinking that it was a slot machine too. <laughs> yeah. Apparently anything bulbous is a slot machine. That's what I'm going with, yeah. It's a kid's movie. Yeah. I mean, we're really grasping at It's a family here. movie. This, That's a difference. Yeah. I always make that It's difference. a bad movie. Well, I actually kind of like Best Point that it's like he, he didn't kill them because they've just made bad choices. Whereas they killed the other two because they're evil. And you can kind of see that in the brother and sister with Shion and I don't know what. Quinn. Quinn. Hmm. You know, Shion, she was just trying to break her brother out of jail. Family. Blood is blood. As soon as they got separated, her brother was like, <laughs> what about her honestly like, and that's kind of the difference i mean the other two in the gang too were just doing their job they're you know he's a bounty hunter he's not necessarily the a, purest of pure like yeah. he probably bounty knows what bad. it is to balance <laughs> 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 
know, they, they bend the rules a lot, but ends justify the means is very yes. much their motto. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. I really liked her point that I don't think that the two guys on the outpost died. Like they shot the, the, the gunship, but I think it was more like strategic shots, just like in Star Trek where you take out the boosters or you take out the shield, you take out guns and stuff like that. They probably went in to arrest the guy. You know, the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games, you could actually do that. That was so awesome. Yeah. I did not know that. I just wanted to throw that in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, I mean, as we're just grasping at straws, as John said, was there anything else that anybody would want to bring up about the episode in particular? Anything you saw that was interesting? Anything that made you think about the future? This had a different director and writer, too, didn't it? It had a writer team, I think. It was Rick... I want it. It's like Fukuyama or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't bother looking up if they had done anything else or anything. I was wondering if you guys did. I didn't. Uh, Never mind. I like the action of it. I think it's the most, I mean, other than the gunfight at the end of episode two, this was probably my second favorite action scene. of just him fighting the droids and then taking out the rest of the team. It was good. I liked the the fight between him and Ginny Carano. I like the use of lighting in it too. Lighting was good. Which kind of made me think that I want to see a horror episode. Like I'd love to. It see It almost that. felt like that for a few Especially minutes. Especially the part where he's going up against Bill Burr. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, like "Ooh, what's sneak, that?" <laughs> sneaking up to him like a ninja cat. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. Like the first the the first time he gets he gets around the the droids by just disappearing and then all of a sudden appearing behind them like. How? How did he do that? Actually, that was one of, my, one of my favorite parts, too, is when, uh, the I think it was the Deveronian, he's looking for him, and all of a sudden he gets lassoed around the neck uh-huh. from above, from above. Yeah. and you don't see like where it came from at first, and that was really awesome, and then he's like so strong, he just pulls him down from the ceiling. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, damn, that's cool. It was creative, but it just didn't have a whole lot in the form of plot. It was basically just dessert. Yeah, I, I to me it was just another filler episode. So the idea is that to, there there was a two hour movie in there, and they're like, oh, let's make this into an eight hour show, and they just made a couple episodes. Like I think the second episode where he goes up, he messes around with the Jawas, and this episode are definitely filler episodes. Yep, yep. Um, oh, did you see? Did everybody see the news article that came out? Like. Uh, Earlier this week, where they were talking about, like, there was a couple episodes where he wasn't, Pedro Pascal wasn't in the armor. Uh, yeah, the one that Bryce Dallas Howard directed. Directed. She didn't work directly with him at all. He was doing a Broadway show. Yeah, he was something? doing a Broadway show. <laughs> yeah. So he had to come back and just do the audio for it. That, yeah. That explains why it felt a little off his the his movements. Yeah. Yeah. It's the it was the Magnificent Seven episode, right? Or was yeah. it the 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 help? Uh, no, you're right. It was that one. It was the Magnificent yeah. Seven one, yeah. Okay. The the Refuge or whatever that one was called? The... Don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Hot Widow one, that one. The Hot Widow, <laughs> The there Hot Widow go. that can shoot. <laughs> the, the Blue Shrimp. <laughs> uh, okay. Speaking of a Blue Shrimp. There you go. Ooh. Episode eight <laughs> of, a God, of, of Watchmen, A God Walks Into a Bar. Now, fun fact, this was the longest episode that we've had all season. Oh. The reason being, it needed to match Yahya Abdul-Mateen's Schlong. personality. <laughs> well, there you go, John. You got it in there. I had to work it in. This was like a really well-written sci-fi Hallmark movie. 
for a bit. Oh my goodness, yes. That ended in yeah. tragedy. <laughs> I was like, man, I am sold on the relationship now. Like, well, it, was, it was a Hallmark Murders and Mysteries yes, there channel we go. Movie, as opposed to just a classic Hallmark. Yeah, some <laughs> I science I thrown in. Game. Oh, right? <laughs> Dang. Dang. Just walk into a bar and just start telling them about the future and be like, you're going to say okay. Or, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's that way because you told me that, and I told you that, so you told me that. Um, I think they, that's what the pickup artists do, actually. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, I loved. I liked how episode six was all about learning about Will Reeves. Episode seven is all about learning about Angela. This is was getting all the backstory about the about Doctor Manhattan, at least from the point of where the book ends and then where we're at now. What did you think about uh, Yaya as in the blue, though? Like when he was blue as Dr. Manhattan. I think that it looked weird. When he was glowing and his eyes were white, it, it looked great. Yes. Because it looked like the movie version. Yeah, when it okay, was, fair. When it was just dull and like obviously just blue paint and you could see his pupils and his eyebrows, it looked cheesy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought it was a little bit too much, too easy that Osmandius already had the the pill or whatever it was like ready. That was yeah. Plan B or Plan, or plan A. Plan A. Plan A. Plan, A. Plan, A. Yeah. plan A for amnesia. As <laughs> like, opposed to Plan B for blow up, blow up. <laughs> yeah. Also, I wonder if Plan B is uh, like a abortion joke with the whole. Seeding and eggs. Uh, wow. <laughs> all that symbolism. Did we just go deep. there right now? <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, no. No. It might be closer to a reference to uh, Brad Pitt's production company, if oh. anything. But <laughs> it's closer to that than yeah. what I said. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the simple fact that Ozymandias already had a device made and ready for uh dr manhattan which i would understand i guess i could understand like you couldn't really get that into dr manhattan's head unless he agreed to do it and how are you going to have that happen unless he falls in love or wants to he makes the decision to forget so yeah. uh you just have to be ready for everything yeah i mean that's kind of what ozymandias was yeah he yeah was the smartest man in the world we see now finally how the whole squid thing works you know, he was yep. breeding them there in karnak and teleporting them around the world yeah, just, but I guess it's on time release. Like, I guess now it is. Or, well, no, I think uh, Lady True took probably, that over. Probably, yeah. Lady oh. True probably keeps it probably, out. Yeah. Did you notice when um, Cal Hatton, as they've been calling him on Reddit, um, oh, okay. when he appears and uh, Ozymandias is looking at his TV screens, which Easter egg, a couple of the screens that were broken were broken during the comic book and I guess it looks like he never replaced them. Nice. So mm-hmm. the same ones in the same positions were broken and remained broken, apparently. Um, he's talking to himself or maybe he knows that it's already Manhattan that's there. And he's saying, like, how could you let this, like, reactor go critical or whatever? He's talking about Fukushima. Oh, wow. Oh, was it I Fukushima? Was, yeah. Okay. I was wondering what it was. I was, I was like, it has like, to be oh. a real one, but... Yeah. I was like, oh, so that happened there too. <laughs> in this cool. Reality, kind of interesting little Easter egg. <laughs> um, but we should probably start from the beginning because there's a lot of stuff in this one that we can go over since it jumps around a lot. Okay, we can we can definitely do that. So I mean, the episode literally starts off with 
a god walking into a bar. <laughs> into a bar. <laughs> into a bar, yes. A little wordplay there. And After he, picking up a mask to cover his face. Yes, because he didn't want to be recognized. Yeah. <laughs> On a night in which everybody's painted as him, though. So, like... So what, this is 20 years after the event of... 23, uh, I think, she said. No, it's 20. It's, it's 19... Uh, it's, or it's 2005. Because it's four years later when... 2009 when they uh, decided to go to Tulsa? No, I think it was only six, six months, later. months later. It was only, yeah, six months later. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I was wrong. Because it was two weeks later that she figured out the body she wanted him in. Yeah. It's pretty oh, quick. Okay. All right, fine. That's a pretty quick, it's a pretty fast-paced relationship. Here we'll date. Now I want you to become somebody else. Not just like change, but like become somebody else and I have a body picked out. Mm-hmm. I mean... Good body. He's willing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, plus they, they she knows that they only have 10 years together total, so... But she seemed to forget it was going to end in tragedy. Well, well no, she just thought she could. She just thought she could get out of it. Well... As we all do. I know, I right? Mean, I was like, I kept on thinking, I was like, ugh. I, to her, the same thing. To her, uh, you know, to be on her side, he could have done something about that stupid cannon. Okay, yeah. It, I don't think I like this Dr. Manhattan guy. <laughs> Does he, he, okay, I was going to ask you guys because you've, I guess you've, John, you've done everything, Watchmen, right? Like, you've, yeah. is there ever a time when Manhattan's like, maybe I'll try to not do the thing? Or maybe I'll try to stop it. Is there ever a time in which he actually didn't do what he thought he was going to do? No. He or never has tested fate. Canonically, uh, no. But in the before Watchmen, which compared to this is not as good because um, it takes some liberties with stuff. Um, he makes the choice to be with uh, the second Silk Spectre as a partner. Okay. Um, by changing the outcome of like they were drawing straws or something. Um but other than that, no, like within the actual story that we know of and anything that's been written about him with by the actual creator, he's essentially just kind of been without any agency. And he's he feels completely powerless to do anything or to change anything if he feels that it's like immutable. But he has to feel that way. Yeah. I mean, well, they, he's wrong. <laughs> it seems like the only loophole to this would be if he doesn't know that it's going to happen. And that would be this 10 year period where he was, his memory was erased. Because uh, even C says that, like, there's this black part I can't see because, like, I don't know why yet. And that's the tunnel of love. The tunnel. Yeah. The yeah. tunnel of love. Yeah. It's, it, I mean,. Because even the way he says it is that it's not, he's not predicting the future. He's just living it. He's living all of it this, at the exact same time. So that's why when he, uh, he, it happens to him, it's happening to him. Like mm-hmm. she, he, but he could have, if it's happening to him, see, that's, I mean, that's where we, it, it's like, why couldn't he destroy the, like, was it explained why he couldn't like blow up the truck that the cannon was on? Because he didn't blow up the truck that the cannon was on. Okay, but he could have, though. But he didn't. He li- he could have also, like, I don't know, I imagine he could not just do one head at a time blowing up. I imagine he could blow up all the heads. No, no, you're right. At the same right. time. Because, I mean, I don't know, he can create people from a river. <laughs> like, and just, 
this is some bullshit. I need you to breathe. I need you to breathe. I'm just saying. I think okay. the thing is that he li- he does have all this omnipotent power, and mm-hmm. he's got all this, uh, you know, living in this certain time. But he still thinks like a man. So thus, he shooting is very one person. Flawed. Yes, he shoots one person at a time, kind of thing. Well, so I know this is technically jumping to the end, but what I think it is is it's an interesting so all time travel movies, all time travel shows, all time travel beings have sets of rules. So his set of rules, what's really intriguing, at least to me, Go ahead. is it seems to be that because he experiences all at once, he never knows whether the chicken or the egg came first. So because, and you see that play out when they're standing in the pool and she has him ask the grandfather about some, about killing oh, John. Oh, yeah, the chicken and the egg, yeah. yeah. And so you end up with the chicken and the egg. And so I think that is the fact, the fact that he's experiencing it all, all at once. He never, re- he never actually knows which occurs first and what causes what because he's experiencing he's like, it all at once. Oh, chicken, egg. Maybe it's both at the same time. And I went, no, it's Schrodinger's cat. That's what it is. It's always Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger's <laughs> cat is always the answer. Should be the egg because the thing that laid it is something else before it's a chicken. <laughs> Valid. But, yeah, it should be the egg. But so I think that is this series time constraint. Mm-hmm. In that, yes, he can see all things and he can essentially time travel. Yeah. But he experiences all things all at once, so he never knows what's really coming first. Because how would you comprehend? If you're experiencing both things at the same time, how are you, go- how are you really comprehending which is coming before the other yeah. and which causes the other? That's yeah. fair. Which is why the only time you ever see him actually seem at least scared or at least have most of an emotional response is when he realizes he doesn't know what's inside that box that Vite is holding. Like he actually had the biggest emotional reaction when he was like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And and I mean the moment when he's like, Oh, here this is the moment and she's like, Moment of what? This is the moment I fell in love with you. And, and she's like, like, We've been together 10, for ten years. years later. He's like and you haven't been in love with me this whole time. No, I've been in love with you this whole time. This is, just happens to be the moment that I first experienced it. I, I happen to always have it. I happen at the to same always time. have this moment. See, the way that I came to understand just how he perceives time is like us normal people would be like watching a movie in a theater playing on the screen but he has access to like the whole film reel right and so he can see ahead or behind at any point but it's not going to change it's already filmed it's already there and that was like he can choose which one to pay attention to was what i was getting to like yeah Yeah. he's experiencing everything at once but he's choosing which ones to like be fully involved in it seems too yeah, I guess that's that's or the way to do it. The only Look way you could it. experience it on film. <laughs> but guess, because but. of that, though, that's one of the reasons why he became increasingly disassociative with humanity is because he just couldn't relate to them anymore. Like being so far removed from the human experience, he just mm-hmm. lost interest. Like that's why he slowly stopped wearing clothes till eventually he's just always completely nude, which is interesting that they show him fully clothed here um, when he's first in- reintroduced. I think it's because he is interested in Angela. He yeah, wants, he doesn't want to come off too strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's willing to forget who he is for her. Yeah, true. That's true. pretty lovey love. A I, ton of love. But that was the whole point at the end of the book was like, uh, not Sally Jupiter, but. Um, What's Lori Blake? Lori Blake says to him, "Is like, or it has to 
to remind him about love. Like that's why humanity's good, right? And that's why they end up going to Oz- to Ozymandias's Karnak lair. Yeah, he came to the conclusion of like all the different things that had to happen for Lori to even be born was like, oh yeah, this is one of those um, miracles of nature that you know are worth exploring, and that's what brings him back temporarily. So after the events of New York and and Ozymandias and stuff, he takes off to Mars again. Well, no. Now we know he goes to Europa. Yep. Yep. And and there is a playback. It's just some type of video of him on Mars building that castle, knocking it down over and over again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, on a Europa is where he builds his new Garden of Eden. Yep. And we see our first Mr. Phillips and Crookshanks. Now, do you think that's the game warden and the prosecutor? It's definitely the game warden. If you yeah. stuck around for the after credits, mm-hmm. yeah. he says it's spe- like explicitly that he was the first. Yeah. And um, if you want to take it a step further and go into the whole idea of, you know, why people wear masks is to deal with some sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. It could be that he wears that mask because he was there and got to witness his God abandon him. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That's to a race of people that were made just to serve that god yeah would be pretty tragic so then wouldn't that make them more like angels than by than being kind of yeah man well exactly and i think that's why we see because i think it plays off based off of what you just said that dr manhattan began to disassociate from the uh, from human race and looking for something better than humans tries to create angels and that doesn't work out for him or for Ozymandias. Like Mm. they've both grown to hate that. Yeah, they found it pretty boring after a while. Which side note, you notice the uh, allusion to the loss of innocence when young Osterman sees uh, the original Phillips and Crookshanks about to bang. (laughs) Yeah. And he's holding an apple. He drops it. Of course. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, pretty obvious. But (laughs) I also like the reference to greek mythology when uh was it uh, angela is uh, basically saying like is what this, are you zeus oh my yeah. favorite thing oh is this a zeus thing yeah. zeus comes down as a swan right when he says that they uh the music changes to the blue danube Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, was all the music blue? Yeah, like a lot of it. A lot of it was blue. A lot of it in the first half was blue. I was yeah. trying to keep track. Yes, and then, uh, but that in and of itself is also an allusion to um, Jupiter being the Greek god Zeus, but in oh, Roman. Yeah. Yep. And Europa basically being one of the women that one Zeus women. Uh, impregnated. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he put life in Europa. He sure did. He just went in there and he created a whole little. Also, okay, so we're going to jump around a lot, but this is the one part I wanted to just or get Maybe out of we're the experiencing way. all at the same time. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I hated two things about this episode. Oh, wow. I love this episode wow. mostly, but I hated two things about it. One was like a really obvious spell it out to the audience, like this is what happened when um, Ozymandias is basically saying, it's like, well, you know, you would forget who you are. You wouldn't know to use your powers, you know. Oh, yeah. The Except maybe. It's a reflex. A reflex. Yeah, I was like, 
oh come on man like you could have just said like something more vague and yeah. we could put the pieces together yeah instead yeah. he just literally spells it out like this is exactly what happened as a matter of fact they even flashback to that when he remembers the night of the uh the white, white night. night the white night which interestingly enough we find out that cal zapped the other member of the cavalry yeah he didn't it didn't say he killed him only that he zapped them out. Well, what are you extrapolating from that? What are you expecting? I'm thinking that that might have been uh, Judd. And really? Yeah. What? And that's how we found out that uh, Cal was uh, something Cal. special. Oh. And that's why. Because then when he's he at the hospital. He was only hurt. Yeah. When he's at the hospital with Angela, he says, somebody up there must be looking out for you. Oh. Okay. See? There you go. Look. There's a little bit of mystery and something to figure out no there's definitely answers in the show there's, but like that one specific dialogue yeah. is just so clunky it is and then that well, as like, well as uh as good as jeremy irons is an actor i feel like he's kind of really phoning in a lot of stuff in this show he's definitely playing ozymandias a lot more loosely than i, I would expect liked. yeah yeah than, than what the character is written. Yeah. But the second part of it, kind of still dealing with uh, the writing, they also really, really spell out to you the whole importance of an egg and uh, <laughs> how it's like a vessel for life and how he can actually put his powers into something else. Yeah. But he wouldn't do it to like a child that, that or like a... He wouldn't impregnate Angela with a being that has his powers no, because he, he says he has to have his consent or right. something. But he's basically saying somebody's gonna get my powers. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what the whole Joe Keen's like plan is to get. No, but, but did, he, had did he like accident- give them to someone? Did I he understand. accidentally do it though? Because he doesn't know that he's Manhattan. The only time that he like remembered was when he used his powers to zap, I guess, Judd away from Angela. So. Like, did he unintentionally give his powers? No. To the kid? If anybody has his powers, I would imagine it's Topher. Well, uh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, Topher. There we go. Side note, Topher has a Boobastus uh, stuffed animal. I don't know what a boob. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, hey, that's the Boobastus. The Boobastus was a genetically modified lynx that Ozymandias had as a pet. Oh, that's cool. Huh. Um, and got also zapped when he tried to kill Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> when he attacked Manhattan. Oh. Right, I think I remember that from the movie. Yeah, um, I would I would say that if there was a scene where Topher under the watch of Cal fell from the roof or something like that, yeah. so Cal had a reflex of yeah having to use his powers, then yes. Other than that, I wouldn't say that he couldn't accidentally because of the way that Ozymandias explained right. how the the button pill yeah. thing worked. Oh, I was more curious how he got the powers. What do you think it means uh, when he was walking on the water and she's, uh, Angela's like, get off, get the, what, get the fuck off my pool or something like that? <laughs> He's and like, well, you needed to see it. Pool. Yeah, you needed to see this for later. Yeah, I, I was wondering that too. Yeah. Like, is, is that going to be like a baptismal font of power now? Like, is he imbuing it? Either something? that or it's going to be the fact that like she's going to, she is going to be the one that absorbs his power. Like she's gonna knock Keen out and jump into the cage and get the powers or whatever, so that she knows later on that she can walk on water and that's gonna be used to save somebody else. Mm. So like, she doesn't have to think about it. She doesn't. She can just out. do it. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way I could see it. So what? How yeah. do we feel about the the grandfather paradox then? I love it. I like it. I really <laughs> it like was it. Angela's fault. As soon as she asked it, I went, "Oh no, she's the source." I was like, "Oh but, no!" But this, see, that's it. Seemed kind of out of character for me. 
Like, why would she yeah. do that? Well, okay, but they've done other things that was out of character for her, too, so. Well, except, think about it, this, you, she's in an adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. The love of her life, she knows tragedy is, like, she's, tragedy's coming, people are coming to kill him, she needs him, and then all of a sudden, she's in that moment, and she's like, I have to find out why this started. Like, what set this off, so if I know what set it off, I yeah. can track the chain back to figure out how to solve it. Yeah, but asking... Uh, ten year ago, she might Will not Reeves. even realize, like at the moment that she asked it, that it was dumb to ask it. Yeah, she's probably that. I mean, he just zapped her children away, like yeah. you know, and he's like not quite making sense right now. Like she's <laughs> freaking out. She's not thinking on her best. That's fair, but it just you know, it just it irked me. And be like, why would she ask it at that point? Because when he says, I'm talking to him 10 years ago, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it would seem kind of odd. I would have assumed that if I was Angela, that he knew like since then everything and it just took this long for it to happen. So I could kind of understand, like you want to get an answer for something that the other person doesn't even know they're going to do yet. Um, And it just, yeah, it creates that, cause and effect loop causality loop is kind of interesting also how awesome was it like angela's frustration with manhattan's just lackadaisical like meandering throughout the okay. the property <laughs> just like, I need to make waffles now. oh i'm gonna do this he's just dropping eggs all over the place like, what are you doing? he's like motherfucker <laughs> what are you gonna say elizabeth well because i i think that shows the very difference in Dr. Manhattan and Angela in Dr. Manhattan and humans when you're experiencing everything all at once you're constantly thinking about oh what might cause something else humans we don't think that way because we don't get to talk to our past selves so we don't think about what our future selves knowledge could do to past people influencing the future that's not something that we normally think about I mean think about how many time travel movies try and go back and warn somebody about a danger to try and prevent the danger and then it just causes the danger. Right. So I don't think it's really all that out of character. I think that shows her humanity, which is what Mm -hmm. she is. Yeah. And what she's given Dr. Manhattan. And why he loves her. Mm. See, though... He loves her because she's stubborn. No. (laughs) That's what I took away from that scene. You know what I take away from this? And it's funny that uh, Jessica brought it up at the beginning of the the episode (laughs) when we talked about, you know, the Hallmark movie. Because... Most of the time, you know, it's the, 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 in those movies, it's the guy falls in love with the girl that, that turned him down, right? So, and that's the only reason why he falls in love with her because, oh, well, why did she turn him down? Everybody else doesn't turn me down. I, I, I'm successful with all women. So, but he fixates on that mm-hmm. one turn down. Yeah. Which is also the, the pickup artist, the, the neg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, there is a blank spot in his vision of his memory or whatever. And that's what intrigues him. Like, does he actually fall in love with Angela or is he just in love with the idea of something he doesn't know? Well, no, but he says he fell in love with her after he got out of the tunnel. But the only reason that he went to see Angela is because she's involved in that 10 year tunnel, that 10 year blank. But he already knew that he loved loved her her after the tunnel. But that's because he also loved her after the tunnel. 
But <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know because Doctor Manhattan's weird. Okay. Basically, he knows everything, but he still manages point. to get blown up or whatever. <laughs> no, he got te- involuntarily teleported. Yes, that's right. Okay, involuntary. No, it was pretty voluntary. I'm sorry. He was standing right in front of it, like for like a minute, being like, "No, Angela." So was you're that thing, wrong. Was that thing on a timer? Do you think? No, there was a guy that. No. There was a guy that. A guy there? like oh. jumped up in it last minute I which i knew because angela was all like oh we did it we did it and i was like you better double check everybody dead angela <laughs> don't be stupid <laughs> well she's not trained military <laughs> she's she should be she's a vietnam cop she's saigon pd and we saw what the saigon pd do to people it's not very by the book <laughs> <laughs> there is no sweeping the area for survivors <laughs> No, not usually survivors. survivors. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we did jump around a little bit. What's uh, what about the building the utopia uh, and then putting Crookshanks and Phillips in there and then Mm -hmm. giving it to Ozymandias because he just wants to go away. His big dream in 1985 was to save humanity and make sure that they. you know, we're able to live, but now he's just tired. Like, why did I even save them? I got the impression, and and so from the the first time viewer, what I got the impression of was not that he wanted to just save humanity, but he wanted to build a utopia himself. He wanted to do what Dr. Manhattan just did on Europa. He wanted to build utopia and bring humanity to this utopian world. He wanted the credit. And yeah. he was never going to get the credit. I think he credit. definitely wanted the credit. Uh, I would say that in the... And I I could definitely be misinterpreting this uh, completely. But in the book, in the first movie, like it wasn't um, about wanting the credit or even building a new utopia. He just... He wanted to save mankind. He just went about it in a way that had to kill three million people. Nobody just wants to save mankind. He's been a superhero for a very long time. Superheroes want credit. Superheroes want credit. Okay. That's why they wear bright colors. That's that's fair. I'm just <laughs> saying. He, that, that's not how it came off in the book. No, Su- I agree all with superheroes you. want credit. Nobody becomes a superhero to hide in the background. Yeah, they Batman may say they do, the but once they're hiding, he's in got the ba- a oh giant light that shines into the sky for people to call on him. Don't tell me he hides in the background. Daredevil That's hides in the background. Uh, you got a little bit better claim there, but not much. <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay. So Ozymandias, we we see it. We see him in the after credit scene. He's uh, put into jail, like for a year. Well, not before yeah. he gets uh, well. Tomato kind of tomato punishment. It, it <laughs> sounds like the tomato punishment occurs every day. Yeah, yeah. So till yeah. he agrees to stay. <laughs> yeah, it, will you stay? And then each one of the clones gets to come up and throw or just smash a tomato into his face. I don't get the significance. Yeah, I was grasping for that. I don't. I don't know. Well, it kind of sounds like, I mean, just maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it sounds like the tomatoes were not part of um, Manhattan's original, like, because utopia. Because of, like, the letter that the yeah. game warden sent to it him sounds, saying thank like, you for the tomatoes? Yeah, it yeah. sounds like he, like, that's something he brought or something he somehow, like, cross-pollinated until he got that specific. Because tomatoes don't grow on trees, do they? 
They grow on vines? Correct. They yeah. grow on vines. And as for the tomatoes, it is about a, a shaming technique. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to shame him because they don't want to harm him, but they want him to abide by the one law, which is to stay. And so one of the techniques, mm-hmm. it, it harkens back to medieval Europe, one of the techniques that you do is when somebody does something that is wrong, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a felony, because felonies got you killed, um, you would shame them into better behavior. Yeah. Kind of like putting kids in timeouts that's in front of everybody. That's kind of the reason we don't do that anymore. Nailing their ear to the wall for a day. Exactly. Was one. It's a matter Throwing of sh- rotten food. I mean, you see it in Game of Thrones, the shame thing. It, yeah, it's it's a shaming thing to hopefully get them to abide by societal rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could it also be uh, this is their version of the the apple, the knowledge? Since this is a, this was the new uh, Garden of Eden that Manhattan made. Where tomatoes apparently grow on trees because I think that's what you're trying to say, John. It, was it tomatoes on the tree? Because yeah. I thought I saw that too. I was like, is that a tree of tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this could be like him refusing paradise. So he's being like shamed or shunned or something. It, it's weird. That whole part didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But we see that it's finally been seven years at the end when he's in his prison cell and the game warden brings him his cake. Mm. Which happens to have a, a horseshoe, horseshoe baked into it. Yes. Now, so is this supposed to be, am I supposed to infer that this has been a plan the whole time? And that's why well, yeah, because they tried the to give him a horseshoe in the first year? Yeah, in the oh. very first episode, he says, no, not yet, when they gave it to him. Oh, yeah, you're right. But we don't understand the significance. Somebody on Reddit pointed out that the horseshoe could have been a, a some kind of a reference to uh, poison. Why? It's 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 a something that has to do with um, Alexander the Great, and I I'm butchering it now because I wasn't prepared for it. But there's supposed to be some kind of a reference where poison was delivered in the shape of a horseshoe. Oh, okay. So it was essentially like his way of committing suicide because he also named his horse Bucephalus which is the name of the horse of Alexander the Great also so yeah I mean there's a lot of really heavy handed imagery but also some really obscure details that I haven't really quite been able to put together um, out of laziness (laughs) but they're there I, I just I know that the horseshoe means something I just can't figure out quite what it is it looks like he's using it to like make a shank or something at the end I thought he was digging is that what he was doing? I, that's what I thought. Yeah, I, I was I, just trying to sharpen the, the, the corners of it to like shank the game warden. I, I mean, <laughs> that's a possibility. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, he's got no problem killing them all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got one episode to go, and it's gonna have to resolve a lot of stuff. You know what? So that was a big thing too. Is that uh, this was always meant to just be the one season? It's just supposed yep. to be a limited mm-hmm. sh- series show. The uh, Lindelof was on. Was it Black Man Beyond? Yes. Recently? Um, It was actually a really good listen for like an hour. Um, They just talk about the inspiration behind this version of Watchmen and a bunch of other behind-the-scene details. Um, So, yeah, he mentions that the the whole idea with this would just be like the one-off, but like the graphic novel, it would leave it where it would be kind of an ambiguous ending where it could continue with enough plot threads still 
with a certain level of unresolvedness so that future expansions could continue. But he says if it does continue, it probably won't be with him because mm. he hasn't come up with an idea for what would be the next uh, season. Uh, basically, everything he could think of, they threw into this. Right. Um, which was starting with uh, Tulsa 21. He said that that was one of the first things that he kind of found out about on a completely separate thing. And it started the seed of like, well, what if this and that and the led to, well, what if Hooded Justice was from Tulsa in this time frame? But that doesn't really make sense unless he was black. And then that's when it started kind of just got getting the ball rolling on that. And uh, yeah, he even specifically says, oh yeah, like the Tulsa thing was Krypton for, for Hooded Justice. So that was not an you know, accidental illusion. No, totally not planned. at all. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really interesting information, but um, yeah, so there's, he basically said, you know who I am, you know how I write. So there's going to be some people that are going to feel like things weren't resolved properly, but I'm going to make it so that you get some resolution, but there's also room for, well, this could continue also. It just won't be with him, which is the one thing I'm always worried about with Lindelof. <laughs> So I may have to take back my take back of me hating him, but so far he's still he's still in like in the the sweet spot of like he could just pull this up. Well, one of our followers on Twitter would definitely agree with you because uh, Stephen, who mm-hmm. didn't join us tonight, wrote an article saying uh, that you know comparing the Mandalorian and uh, and Watchmen as shows, and uh, Sean on Twitter got in there and just like one of his, his criticisms was that he's loving Watchmen, but it, he, he doesn't think that it's going to end in a satisfactory way. Yeah. Because what, it's Lindelof and he just doesn't trust Lindelof. Lindelof. Yeah. He, Lindelof compared him. Well, he compared it to the ending of inception oh, where he says, uh, you know, the top is still spinning, but so you don't know if it topples over or if it keeps going and it's still a dream or not. So, you know, some people like that because it gives them something to think about. Like, you know, some people can have, they can come up with their own conclusive ending based on how no. they interpret it. And that's what he was going for, he says. And I'm like, ah, oh, you're doing so good. <laughs> you were, you were oh. ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just end it. I don't freaking, God. Thought I was mad at the ending of this episode. <laughs> Okay. Uh, any anything else about this episode you want, anyone wanted to bring up? Anything left on your on your notes over there? No. No. I just really where where, away with where was Vite when Manhattan went to him? He was in Antarctica. Antarctica. Okay. Yeah. Where, where where did Superman go to lose his powers in the movie? Wasn't it Antarctica? Was, Antarctica. Well, yeah. no, that was. Or was it the Arctic? That was. I know it was somewhere cold. It was Arctic. Okay, that's what I couldn't remember. I was like, what? He's going to Antarctica like I mean, Superman to lose his powers. Ant- Which is solid issue. Antarctica. Yeah. Antarctica. That's actually a really he good pull. Didn't lose I didn't think oh. about that one. Yeah. But uh, technically, the Fortress of Solitude is supposed to be in Antarctica. Superman two. The Fortress of Solitude Arctic. was somewhere like up in Alaska, because. When he lost his powers, how was he going to get back home? He basically hitchhiked to the nearest town, and oh. like that's what happened there. But no, yeah, it's oh, in the comics. It's it's uh, the South Pole. Okay. So Karnak is actually kind of a good illusion. So good catch oh, there. There we go. Cool. <laughs> I got geek points. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right, going into the last episode, what can everybody hope for? <laughs> I'm hoping for. A connection to 
what's been going on in Europa and what's been going on on, yeah. on Earth. I'm very clear we're not going to get a resolution of everything, but I'd like to see these two very distinct storylines kind of... We started to get them pulled together in this episode. I'd like to see them circle back to each other. So what I'm guessing is that if Adrian Veidt is Lady True's uh, father... She's going to use Manhattan's power to transport him back mm -hmm. and at the same time help Keen get the power to transport or to become Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan. For I, what reason? Uh, yeah, I don't... Why is she helping Keen? Keen? Yeah. I don't think she... Quid pro quo. It, I, well, it could be quid pro quo. Squid pro quo. Squid pro quo. I just think it's an unintentional help. Mm. Well, they are using Lady True Tech. Yeah. We know that much. I don't think it's an unintentional. Lady True knows too much. She wouldn't let them un. She wouldn't unintentionally let them use her tech. She has knowledge of their tech. That's use. fair. I mean, I it to in my understanding or interpretation was that Lady True was trying to kind of do what Ozymandias was doing, which is save the world. But she's going to do it differently. Um, not sure how exactly. With the Millennium yet. Clock? Yeah, the Millennium Clock. And if you've read the PDPedia files, which, by the way, the latest PDPedia files kind of, sort of, all but confirm that PD is uh, Loopman. Oh, really? Uh. Sort of, yeah. Because... Um, that's the biggest mystery I need the yeah, conclusion that's, that's to. Yeah, that's the one they're going <laughs> to resolve. So I kind of think, playing off of what you, you just said, John, it's that I wonder if the Millennium Clock is a basically enlarged version or a more powerful version of the little device that Ozymandias had Dr. Manhattan place in his head. Ooh. So if the powers do get transferred, she can set off the Millennium Clock after she gets Ozymandias back mm. to basically wipe out everybody else's Manhattan powers. I just constantly wonder okay. why no one asks her why it's called the Millennium Clock when, the, you know... The Millennium Clock. Yeah, gone. it already came and passed. Like it seems that seems weird. There's a reference to Millennium in the comic that I think they're supposed to be making an allusion to, but um, the context isn't quite right. So I don't know. Kind of like how they're using the word nostalgia for this drug, mm -hmm. when in the comic it was a perfume or a line of cosmetics. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's not quite clear, but yeah, I guess it's what it's really supposed to mean. If I'm just gonna take a guess, is that it's sort of the start of a new age that she's trying to create. So that could be uh, symbolically like a new millennium. Oh, there you go. Anybody else? Anything else? I hope it doesn't end in tragedy. Mm. Screw you, Dr. Manhattan. You don't know nothing. It, it's going to end in Shut tragedy. Up. <laughs> it depends Leave on me alone. Is, okay. Is, is this a comedy or is it a tragedy? <laughs> Uh, it's definitely a tragedy. It's definitely not a comedy. <laughs> I do want to give props to Lindelof, though, or whoever the writer was, for getting it as close as possible, I think, as to the way that uh, Alan Moore wrote Manhattan. Because mm. um, like I said, in the before Watchmen, they tried, and it came off like fan fiction. This genuinely feels like a continuation of the source material. And that's, I think, the biggest credit that it has so far, is that this genuinely feels like, in spirit, was uh, involved Alan Moore, even though we all know 
that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, probably would hate on it and doesn't even want to know anything about it. Um, <laughs> Once again, think, they can't. They don't even put his name on the credits. Yeah, I it, think Lindelof even said that he suspects that Moore put a curse on him. <laughs> but then again, I think so. He said that about Snyder too. Well, you know what it is. Alan Moore probably exists in all times. You know. It, I, at I wouldn't once, be surprised like if Ellen Moore can see all time at once. Yeah. That guy is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you have any opinions on this episode or any uh, or the episode of The Mandalorian or anything that we talked about this episode, please contact us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. You can find John on Twitter at... I am at Magic Bollocks. You can find Elizabeth on not Twitter. You can just get to her through uh, the Geekly Media Twitter. That's correct. That should be a new social page, not Twitter. Not Twitter. Not Twitter. <laughs> I would join that. <laughs> uh, and then, Jessica, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at JM Bailey Writes. The rest of Geekly Media is at Geekly Media on Twitter, at Geekly Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast on our website, geeklymedia.com. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.